Well, welcome to church. Did you all enjoy that? Come on, let's give it up for our bands. Y'all look perfect, and I can see you, so it's a good day to be in church. Man, we're kicking off a brand new series today. I got a question I just wanted to ask, okay, here in Lancaster, play along. How many of you have ever made a mixtape? Raise your hand if you've made one. Wow, I didn't realize we had that many old people in our church. Hey. No, 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 I know what it's like. Okay, okay, I'm there. It, I, I need to explain this because there, if you're under 20, you're probably like, a mix what? I've never heard of a mixtape. A mixtape is an old school way of making a playlist, okay? I, I kind of have to translate this for the younger generation. See, back in the day, before you had iPods and iPhones and Apple playlists and Spotify playlists, and, and before you had all of that, you had a cassette player with a radio on it. How many of you remember calling into a radio, being on hold for 10 minutes so you can request a song, ready to hit play and record right as they announce it so you can get the entire song and make a mixtape? You know what I'm talking about? Mixtape. Now we're talking church. It's old school. And, and here's the thing about mixtape. Not only did you make it so you could have a collection of your favorite songs, okay? This is before, again, it was digital. But you also sometimes would make a mixtape to give to someone that you love. Did any of you ever do that? Come on. Hello, you make a mixtape of all the songs that you, you know, that make you feel something and remind you of that person and how she makes you feel and all this. And so you'd make a mixtape and give it to them. Love, like, we do crazy things for love, don't we? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Love is such a powerful emotion that we feel on the inside that it causes us to sometimes do crazy things. And here's the thing about love. At the end of the day, you can't earn it, you can't work for it, but the reality is all of us yearn for it. We want love. We want love, and I'm not just talking about friends, they're great, I'm not just talking about mom and dad love, that's great. I'm talking about the kind of love that you find in a companion, the kind of love that is romantic, but then is also, it's about commitment, the kind of love that leads us to marriage. And I want to talk about that because I think it's important. I think it's something we all think about, we're all dealing with, whether you're single, you're dating, you're engaged, you're married, you're divorced. Like, like it's, it's the one thing that we care about maybe more than anything else in this life is that someone special. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about love. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about dating we're going to talk about being single. We're going to talk about marriage. We got some special things planned. Our band has a special love song cover for every week of the series. So make sure that you're here for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But this week, as we kind of kick off the series, I want to share a story with you, a love story from the Bible. It's found in Genesis chapter 29. If you brought a Bible with you or an electronic device, I'm going to show you some things in this I think will be incredibly helpful if you are in this category. Now, here's the category that I'm specifically speaking to today. I'm talking to you if you're single, if you are dating, if you're in a dating relationship, if you're engaged, if you are divorced and thinking about love again, if you're widowed thinking about love again, or if you are a parent who is raising children that may want to get married. I think I've got almost everyone covered, but 
I want to I want to focus in specifically on the idea of preparing for marriage. I, I want to talk about the process that we take in preparation for getting married. In our culture today, we call it dating, right? That's what we call dating. And I, now, dating has so many different terms, okay, and what it means today. I, I'll be honest with you. Um, what I'm really talking about more is an old word that nobody uses anymore, but it speaks more clearly to what I think uh, is what the process is, and that's courting. You ever heard of that word? We're not going to talk about it, but courting is it's kind of the more proactive process leading to marriage. And the reason why I say that is because the term dating can mean so many things to different people today. Like we say dating, dating is something you do when you're kind of wanting to hook up. That's what people say, well, I'm dating. Some people say, I'm dating around. Some people would say, I'm dating when I'm, you know, just, I'm lonely. So I'm just looking for someone. I'm da- I want to date. Maybe you found a high school sweetheart you're dating. Maybe, you, you know, uh, dating has so many different connotations today. But when I was a kid, my parents gave me this phrase. They sat me down one day and they said, Tim, here's what we want you to understand about dating. They said, you date to find a mate. That, that's, that's the ultimate purpose of dating, okay? You date in this process to find someone that you'll spend the rest of your life with. And as I think about that, and I think about dating, I, I notice that the message from our culture is maybe a little bit different than the message you get from the Bible about dating, about this process, about this order. There is an order to dating today in our culture. I don't know if you pick up on it, but the message is so loud and clear. If you're in high school, maybe even middle school, right? The, the, the pattern we see for dating looks like this today. You've got to meet someone. That's the first, that's the hardest part, right? You've got to meet someone. Thankfully, there's apps for that today. If you can't do that in person, you know what I mean? Now you can text, right? A long time ago, you couldn't text. Now you just, hey, you want to, you know? And um, you've got to meet someone. Once you do, you go out on a date, right? And you, you may go out with them once or twice. And if there's a chemistry, you go a second time or maybe a third time. But man, if there's a connection of chemistry, it may not be date two and you're kissing, right? You got, I mean, you got to end the date the right way. And if you ever watch the movie Hitch, he'll show you how to do it the right way. And uh, so, so, you know, this is like process. And then maybe by the third date, I mean, if there's a real connection, here's what culture would say, you should at least wait to the third date before you invite him to sleep over. That, that's kind of the message in the culture. Come on, it's debated. Is it three dates? Is it five? Is it, you know, some, maybe the first date? I don't know. But, but the idea is that it kind of moves pretty quickly if there's a connection, if there's chemistry, to sleeping together. And then when you're sleeping together, it's almost like, well, now you should be exclusive, right? You're dating this person because nobody wants somebody who's dating or sleeping around on them. And so now you're sleeping together and then, hey, if the relationship's still good after several months, then, you know, here's a key. Why don't you move in? Like all this driving and I just, I, I can't get enough of you. And I just, will you move in with me? And, and then oftentimes we move in together. And then if things are still good and if like it's still sizzling and there's still fire two years later, maybe you get married. This is kind of the message of our culture. It's found in TV. It's found in movies. It's in social media. This is the order of the process for dating. And what I would say is, as much as I understand that, I have seen the results of that order and that process. And I want to say, 
sometimes it's not very good. I, I just don't know that we're actually getting better when it comes to our order or process for marriage. Someone gave me a statistic a couple years ago. I don't know how totally true this is, but it's scary if it is, that in the county in which our church is located, our two campuses, the divorce rate is nearly 70%, which is like crazy if that's true. And I thought, man, I don't know that what we're doing is working that well. And I want to share a story with you from the Bible. And I know some of you are like, man, the Bible is archaic. Yeah, but I think that there's actually some things you can mine out of the Bible that could help us have a healthy marriage relationship. Okay? And so I want us to go to Genesis 29, if you've got your Bible. Um, it's a story about a guy named Jacob. I don't know if you've heard about Jacob. He had a brother named Esau. He had um, kind of deceived his brother. Jacob was a bit of a deceiver out of his birthright, tricked him into swapping it for some porridge or some soup. And then he stole his brother's blessing from his father when he was ill um, and on his deathbed. And so Jacob ends up running away from home, fear of his life. His mom, who loved him, sent him to her homeland to ultimately find a wife. And so if you're in the season of single, dating, one, looking for love, or a parent raising someone who's in that process, man, I... I encourage you to lean into this message. I feel like it's, it's going to be valuable and helpful for you. I want to read to you Genesis 29, verses, uh, start at verse 14 through 27. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but let me tell you this. This story is awesome. Like, there is so much intrigue and romance and, and, and betrayal and comedy. Like, this is a great story, okay? And so listen to this with some fresh ears. Genesis 29, it says, After Jacob had stayed with him, that's his uncle, for a whole month, Laban, his uncle, said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing, tell me what your wages should be. So he's working for his uncle, and his uncle says, what, what should I pay you? Now, Laban, it says in verse 16, had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure, and she was hot. That's how I read it. It's just, there's a translation thing going on here, okay? But verse 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. How many of you are like, that's way too much? I ain't seven years? I don't know about that. Verse 19, Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than some other man stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, and they seemed only like a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. Yes, he's a guy. Verse 22, you got to read this story thinking about like life, you know. So Laban brought together all of the people of the place and he gave a feast. This was tradition. Weddings were huge, huge parties, like their reception, only bigger, okay. And, but when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her, brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. This next verse might be my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says, when morning came, there was Leah. 
come on, I gotta ask you. Come on, this is just a Bible I'm talking about. How drunk was Jacob at his own wedding that he married the wrong woman and slept with her? Had no idea. I am not making this up. Some people are like, man, I can't believe we're talking about this in church. I'm just reading to you the Bible. He wakes up and he's like, oh my gosh, what happened? So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. How many of you guys would tap out? I'm out, I'm done, forget it. 14 years, I don't care how good looking she is, I don't care what her body looks like, that's too much, right? Amen, thank you. One honest guy in church today. 14 years. I want to point out an order to this story. I see an order of love in the story that I believe is really divinely inspired. You see it all throughout scripture. Um, what was Jacob doing when he asked for Rachel's hand in marriage? I don't know if you picked up on that because um, Laban came to him and said, hey, I don't want you just to work for me for nothing. What's your wage? And um, he, he was, I want you to notice this. Before Jacob asked for Rachel's hand in marriage, he was working. He had a job, come on. He was working, he was, I wanna say this to all the single ladies in the house, all the single ladies, listen, you don't want a man that's not willing to work for you. You want a man that works hard. You want a man that's willing to go to work every day. You want a guy that's a hard worker. Because listen, if he won't work hard for you while you're dating, he won't work with you when you're married. You want a guy that's a hard worker. And listen, I want to say this because it's sad, the culture and the time that we're in today, and I see this all around, and it's kind of a negative label that is put on the younger generation that is unfair, and that is to say that they're all entitled. But, but I get that, and here's what we need to understand. The reason why the younger generation coming up on behind me is entitled is because my generation has spoiled them. We've spoiled them. It's true. We, we, I'm something about my generation that I've heard parents say this. I want to give my kids everything I never had. I just want to do everything. I wanted, and I see parents obsessed with giving their kids everything. Listen, and so what we have is a generation of people that are growing up that aren't earning it. They're not learning to work for it. Everything is given to them. Listen, ladies, be very careful of the guy who's 16 driving a $40,000 car that his parents gave to him and pay for the gas and pay for the insurance and they give him everything he ever wanted and he don't have to work a day for it because I'm telling you, that's his attitude when he gets married. My mom does my laundry. Guess what's going to happen when you get married? Hello? Like, I, I would, I'm telling you, ladies, I'm just, you, you want to find a, a, a good, I'm talking about a real man, 
Find a guy driving a car that's like 10 years old, held together by duct tape. Tail lights don't work, mirror, no rear view mirror hanging by a thread. You find a guy that has to hold his car together, that's a guy worth keeping, because I'll tell you, he's going to work it. He's going to work for it. Amen. Now, here, here's the thing. I, I, I think it's important, listen, parents, can I say this? It's important to teach our, our kids about the value of work. It really is, because we, we don't do that. It's given to them. I'll give you a great example, allowance. I don't get allowance. I didn't get an allowance when I was a kid, and I don't understand why a parent would give a kid an allowance. Hey, you eat all my food, you live in my house, you sleep in a bed I paid for, you drive around in cars that I paid for, the gas. I do all that, and hey, because you're breathing, here's some money. I don't understand why we came up with this allowance thing. And some of you that give allowances, you're starting to squirm a little bit. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying this. It, listen, there's a better way to do this. My parents didn't just give us money, but if we wanted to earn it, they would pay us some money for doing some jobs. This, this year, I, I was my, my youngest daughter. She had been saying to us, I, I want some money. I want some money. I was like, all right, you can earn it. And so I was inspired. I got, I got inspired by this guy. He gave me this idea. And so I gave her a contract. She's 12 years old. She has signed a contract, a legal contract of employment at our house, the Moore Homestead, full-time position. I've given her some jobs. And if she does them and we check every day, she gets a paycheck on Friday. And we encourage her to tithe and to save from her paycheck every single Friday. Why? Because I want to teach her the value of working for something, not just having it all given to you every single day. Listen, when I was 18 years old, my parents sat me down and had a conversation with me. I was already out of high school. They said, if you go to college, you can live at home for free. But if you're not going to go to college, you're paying rent. I was like, it hasn't been a problem for the last 18 years. Why is it a problem all of a sudden? You paying rent. Oh, by the way, by the time I was 18, I've been doing my own laundry for four years. Which was Oddly enough, my wife wants to know, how did I forget somehow I forgot how to do it. She constantly reminds me about that. Didn't you used to do your own laundry? Now, I'm not just trying to harp on the guys. Listen, listen, guys, let me encourage you something, especially if you're single, you're looking, you're looking. Okay, you don't want a woman that's got a princess complex. You don't want a woman, a girl, that's been told every day by her daddy about how she's the princess. And told, and I get it, I get it, loving your daughters, I got that, but, but told how, look, how the world revolves around the princess, and how the princess gets what the princess wants. Whatever princess, whatever makes princess happy, princess gets what princess, listen, because if that's her mindset, listen, I promise you, she is just looking for everybody who has a glass slipper for her. Like, you, you, you know what Rachel was doing when Jacob met her? Guess what she was doing? She was working. She was taking her father's sheep to the well in the middle of the day to, to water them. See, see, they're working. There's something about that. Do you know why Jacob had to work before he could marry Rachel? Because he was broke. He had to earn enough. In their custom, and this is a custom that I don't understand why we got rid of, but this custom, they had a dowry you had to pay. If you were taking a daughter from the household, you were taking, listen, not just can that daughter's hand in marriage, but she was someone who worked as part of the family and the business, and she helped out. And so the family's losing out 
by taking her. And for some strange reason, we swapped it all around and said, why doesn't the father of the bride pay for everything? I don't get that. And it is not biblical. We need to go back. Amen. Sorry, it's a little personal jab, Aaron. So he had to work for it. He had to save up. Too many guys just want to go charge a ring and say, can you marry me? No, 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 no. So here's what it says. Look at verse 18 again, real quick. I, I want you to notice because there's an order to, to the love relationship. It says that Jacob, verse 18, was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. He was, it says, in love with her. He had only been around her for one month, but get this, he had already fallen in love with her. And I want to point out something. It's really easy to fall in love with someone. That's why we call it fall in love, not climb into love. You, you can fall into love. It's easy to fall head over heels for someone, and they're beautiful, and they're smart, and they're funny, and there's a connection, and she smells good, and, and she flirts, and she's this. It's so easy to fall in love. It's, it, it just, it'll happen. It's, an, it's what that is, is an emotion. It, it's this feeling. It's, it's, ooh, I just, every time that song comes on the radio, I just can't stop thinking about him. And it, it's that ooey gooey inside. I can't, I just can't think of anything else but her. I get all of that. But the reason why you can fall in love so easily is because it's built on attraction. That's why you fall in love. It's often attraction. It, it says that, that she was beautiful. And how do we know that she was beautiful because of the contrast that was given to us see he fell in love with Rachel but not Leah D did you notice what it said about Leah it's kind of a fascinating thing um, about Leah it's also kind of rude it said that Leah had weak eyes that's what it said I, was, I don't know if you picked up on that Leah had weak eyes and some of you are thinking she needs LASIK she should get so that she can see but I, I don't think that's what the indication was, I don't think it was that, well, maybe she's got bad eyesight and she has to wear glasses and, you know, they just don't look that good on her. That's not, I think what the, the translators for the Bible are trying to do, and maybe in such a subtle and nice way, is maybe they're saying, Leah was hard to look at. She had weak eyes, googly eyes, she's crazy. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to understand it, but... We know this because it contrasts that with Rachel. It says that Rachel had a lovely figure. That's, I'm just reading to you the Bible. Don't get mad at me. That's all I'm doing. It said Rachel had a lovely figure and she was beautiful. See, see, the reason why Jacob fell in love with her is because he was attracted to her. He's, she's gorgeous. She's beautiful. And all of a sudden he falls in love. And now let me, let me just say this. A lot of times we feel this way about someone and we can't imagine anybody else is beautiful and amazing, as gorgeous as this person, so we should get married. But here's the problem. The problem is, is if beauty is the bedrock of your marriage, you could find yourself in trouble 20 years later. You ever heard this quote, beauty is fleeting? It's fleeting? 
I, I just, I need, I'm saying this for the young people right now because, you know, there's a guy and he's dating him and he's cute and he's just, he can eat a garbage can, but he still has like abs and he's like, looks awesome. Listen, you give him 20 years, he probably has no hair. He's got a keg instead of abs, maybe even a spare tire. All right? I'm just saying, you fall in love because of beauty. Now, now, I, I'm not going to leave you ladies out. I mean, come on. I mean, some of you go, she's so gorgeous. I know. Give her 20 years, three kids. Then we'll talk. <laughs> Life is hard on us, man. I'm finding out. Metabolism rate is slowing down. It's getting hard. Can I get an amen from anybody that's lived life a little bit? You know what I'm talking about, Jason? Yes, it's hard. We talk about this all the time. It's hard, man. I just want to remind you about marriage for just a moment. Remind you that marriage is a commitment for life, not for looks. Marriage is a commitment for life. We say, I do, in rich or poor, but we don't really mean if it's poor. Mm. We're going to be rich, right? We're going to get a good job. You're going to, like, we're going to make money, right? Sickness and in health, as long as everything's good and healthy, I don't want to deal, you know. Let, let's be honest that, that we, we can sometimes, and this is in our culture, we go from, I feel this, and so I'm going to jump to this, and we don't lay a real foundation for what marriage really is. So I think a big question sometimes that, that we ask, and people want to know, when is someone ready to get married? That's a great question. If you're raising a teenager, you know, you're, you're processing this? Does the Bible say? When is someone ready? The Bible doesn't give us direction on this B because it's different. It, it, it has to do more with the person than it does an age. And in our culture, I get it because our marriages and we haven't done so well that everything's, everybody's saying wait later, later, later. But I'm telling you this, I've met some 28 year olds that I look at and go, you aren't mature enough to get married now. And I've also seen some young people that I go, wow, that's impressive. And I'll just share with you my story. Most of you probably know this, but my wife and I, we got married when we were young. We got married really young. And a lot of people said, come on now, why, why are you going to get married? You know, you're so young. And the reason why, I think too in our culture today, that the idea of getting married young is kind of almost taboo is because you kind of ruin your options to date around, to play the field, to kind of live life, to kind of make money first. And I understand why, because some people have gone into marriage and they've been young and they maybe they weren't really ready and they kind of mess up. I get it. I get it. I understand that. But, but I would say when it comes to this, how do we know when, when, I don't know when, I, I would say that there are some factors that you should consider. Now, my wife and I, we got married when we were young, and this coming Friday, we're celebrating 22, is that right, baby? 22 years of marriage on Friday. And she's still good looking, so I got lucky, hey, Just saying. But, but uh, I had to check, because I really, I was like, I was telling someone 23 the other day, and I was like, I don't think I got it wrong. Um... But uh, I was 14 when we got married, just in case you're trying to figure out my age. Um, let, I want to give you just some factors to consider before getting married. Now, now, this is not, these are not just like the Bible. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff, okay? Th this is my experience as a pastor and sitting across a lot of people that have a lot of heartache. Because to me, they shouldn't have gotten married. Uh, this is my experience in life and what I went through and kind of what I see aided us in 
in our um, marriage. But I wrote down five factors that I, I would encourage you, like if you're single, write it down and think about it. And, and sometimes you go, well, I got two out of five. Is that good? I don't know. Would that pass in school? Maybe that's not a good indication. I, again, these are just my, my thoughts. Factors considered before marriage. One, I suggest that you should be together long enough to become best friends. Because here's the thing. Um, marriage is, is more than just about feelings. Uh, marriage is the foundation for your family. This is, this is the person that you're going to maybe have children with. You're going to raise a family together. This is someone you're going to spend time on vacation together. This is someone you're going home to after a long day at work. This is a, I, you ought to be together long enough at least to develop a real friendship. It's more than just attractions and he's hot and she's sexy and it's just, oh, I got it. No, it's more than that. It's about friendship, companionship. Because why? Marriage is a commitment for life. So that when you're 80 and she's 80 and you're old and wrinkled and sitting on the porch together, you still love being together. I'm just saying, okay? So that's the first thing. I, I would say be together long enough to become best friends. Second thing I would encourage you is be together long enough to have some real fights. Because I, I, I meet some couples that you know, want to get married premarital counseling and it's like, oh no, he's perfect. Oh man, oh, we just, we never fight. Like, really? How long have you been together? You know what I, I used to do when I would do premarital counseling? I don't do it a lot mostly. It's just, you know, other staff pastors and leaders that do that in our church. But I used to try to pick a fight between the two of them. <laughs> I'm like, do you, oh, you going to let him talk to you like that? Is he going to say that about your mama? Really? You gonna, you're gonna, Like, I would try to get them to fight because I want to see how they're going to handle it. I want to see how they handle conflict because, listen, you're going to face conflict. I promise you. It's going to happen. Do you still love each other the same on the other side? That's what matters, okay? Third one, I, and this is so critical. I'm going to say it's critical. This is not one you can skip over. I would say, is there unity when it comes to faith, when it comes to family planning, and when it comes to your purpose? Is there unity? I, I see um, situations where, you know, one of them is a, a strong believer, a follower of Christ, and the other one is, well... I would ask, is, is he got faith or is he fake? Is she, is she legit, legit or is she just going to church with you? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people think it's not that big of a deal, right? We won't talk about faith. We won't talk about politics. We won't. No, it matters. It matters. Ask anyone here that's been married for any length of time, and they're going to tell you it matters because it affects how you do everything. It affects how you raise your children. It affects your life. And, oh, by the way, your purpose matters too. And it should matter to them. What you feel called to do personally. Will they support that? Are they behind that? What if you go, I feel called to the mission field. You ought to make sure the guy you want to marry also feels called to that. Because I've seen this situation and it does not play out very well. Is there unity when it comes to faith and family planning and your purpose? I think that matters. Let me give you another one, a fourth one. Um, you got to be ready. I don't care if you're young, 18. If you're 28, you need to be ready to commit for life. It's not just the next step, it's the final step when it comes to relationship and love. Okay, so you got to be ready. Some people I think are. We were. Some people aren't. Okay, and then let me give you a fifth and final one. I think this is 
I know you can't always have this, but I do believe that this is important if you can. And that is, I think if all possible, have the blessing of the parents or godparents or grandparents or whoever is watching or raising you. Have the blessing if you can. Did you notice what Jacob, hey, I will work seven years for her. I'm asking her hand in marriage, seven years. I'll do. I did that with my wife when I asked her father for her hand in marriage. I, I think it, there's something to this. You need to understand, you don't just marry the other person, you marry their family. You might love them, you might hate them. You might love the, hate that. Like it's, it will come to play in life. I promise you. There needs to be like the family matters. It really does. I would consider all of those things before you'd consider getting married. I really will. I think that they're important. And so Jacob served Laban for seven years for Rachel. Is there a certain amount of time? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it's different in every situation. Um, but, but in this one, he does. He serves for seven years. Here's what it says in verse 20. It says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But this is how you knew he was in love. They seemed like it was only a few days to him. Notice this, because of his love for her. Because of his love for seven years had gone by. This is before marriage. Where he had an opportunity to get to know her. Not fall in love because she's hot. But get to know her. What, what happened is, it says that Jacob developed a love for her. There's a difference. And then in verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. I, I, I've served. I, I want to marry her. And then I want to make love to her. I see there's an order to love in this story, and I believe it's throughout scripture, and I believe it's divinely inspired, not for a rule-based thing, and not because, you know, well, if you're a Christian, you gotta do this, this, and this, but because God understands love way better than any of us do. He understands what it does to us. And I see people today sometimes that get married, I would say, for the wrong reasons. Been together seven, eight years, and one's pressuring the other. Come on, I'm gonna walk if you don't. Okay, well, I guess I better make an honest woman no 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 that's not a great reason i've seen people where they're fighting and they've been together and they're always at each other and they're fighting and think well maybe if we get married and go through that then it'll fix it all no it'll magnify the problem or maybe if you're a christ follower and you're trying to honor god and you, you you've kind of you, you've you're trying to save yourself when it comes to sexual relationship or marriage and that's hard and you're like i'm waiting i'm waiting and say listen I, i've seen people like jump into it just for that well hold on hold on i know it's hard to wait and i know it's hard to follow an order and a process but it's for our own good the, our culture has circumvented what I believe we see throughout Scripture, a pattern of how to do love the way maybe God intended it. And because of that, it's brought pain and heartache. There, there's an order. I don't know if you saw this. In verse 18, it says that he fell in love with her. Uh, one month, it's easy. He falls in love. He's attracted to her. He's beautiful. It's a God-given thing. But in verse 20, it says that he developed a real love for her. After seven years of being around her, now he has a love for her. Do you realize there's a difference? 
there's a difference between falling in love with someone and having a love for that same person. There's a difference. One says, I love you because I'm attracted to you and because you're beautiful and because I want you. The other is, I care more about you than I care about me now. When you develop a real love for someone, it becomes sacrificial. When you have a real love for someone, you're saying, I'll do whatever I can to serve and to honor you. And that is important before marriage. And then in verse 21, after the commitment and after marriage, then he made love to her. There's an order. There's an order. And I think sometimes people, if you've been around church or you've heard someone say, you know, this kind of order to the process of marriage, you think that's so prudish and that's so like old school and 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 that's not the message we get from culture listen to me young people i understand i understand it there's a pressure to do the other order to go fast to date to sex to move in to all of these things but i'm telling you when you remove the middle part developing the real friendship the real love the real relationship the real get to know you when you remove that part when you circumvent this process it can leave you with incredible pain and heartache really can't the truth is intimacy sex in a relationship God intended for marriage because it is unifying it is soul emptying there's something about it and I know that many many today in our culture have just gone about it the way culture says and I just wonder maybe today if this message if you're dating and you go I, I think I've I think I've gone a different route or a different process and you feel, I don't want you to feel condemnation, but I want you to maybe be challenged to hear that there's an order and if you bypass that order, it can bring pain into your life. There's a reason why so few marriages, it seems today, are, are happy, are successful, are making it. It's because sometimes we're bypassing what God wants to do between the two of you. So I just want to encourage you though, here's what's cool about God and His mercy is that he can give you a new start. Maybe you're living together. Maybe you're, you're pretending like you're married, but there's no commitment. I just wanna challenge you today, maybe to kind of rethink the order in which you're operating in above. And maybe say, you know what? We should back up a little bit. Maybe we should back up. Start, because here's the thing. If we bypass God's order for love, what could happen is what happens to Jacob. In other words, one day you could end up waking up next to someone that's different than the person you thought you married. In other words, when you rush or you fall in love and you go on emotions and you do all this, one day five years later, one day seven years later, one day you might wake up next to somebody you go, how did I end up here? Don't rush the process. Don't bypass this order of love. It's seen all throughout scripture. There's something to it that I believe can save us in a lot of heartache when it comes to dating. Amen? Come on, let's pray together at both our locations. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for, for sharing just through your word, just sharing a process for love. God, you created love. You are love. Without you, there is no love. So God, I, I pray right now I want to pray specifically for parents first, Lord. There's parents here that are raising teenagers, and uh, they're, they're wanting to, to marry, to date, to get engaged. And 
God, I pray that you give us wisdom on how to, to show, Lord, uh, the value that you, you give in your word in this order to love. God, I pray right now for every person that's single, that's dating, that's maybe engaged, divorced, thinking about love again, or widowed. God, I, I pray that this message, God, would resonate in their hearts, that, that today, God, we would recognize that you're a God of love and you desire for us to be in love and to find companionship and love. You created Eve for Adam. You, you, you marriage is your idea. This idea of lovemaking is your idea. It's a good thing in its proper place. And so, God, I pray right now that you'd help every single person, Lord, be able to, to kind of check their hearts and, and their process, what, what they're thinking about in relationship and love. And I pray right now if there's anyone here today that God feels like maybe that they have given away part of themselves to past relationships that has bypassed this process, just following culture's rhythm and never realized the challenges that it might bring into a marriage someday. I pray, Lord, that there's hope for them. I pray, God, that you are a God of new beginnings, that if we confess to you, God, that we've done it our way instead of your way, that you are faithful and just to forgive us, to, to really make us new. And I pray, Lord, you maybe would challenge us, Lord, if we're single, we're dating, maybe living together, but haven't taken a proper process of marriage and God, I pray you challenge those in this church to say, you know what, I want to do this God's way. And I know that when we honor you, God, you will honor the relationship and the marriage. I've seen it. God, we thank you again for love. We thank you for loving us, for loving us so much. Jesus, that you love us, the church, so much that you gave your life for us. Help us to know that kind of love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Come on, let's thank God for his word, his instruction today. Amen.